We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And boy, one of my favorite things in life is the morning after a good-ass Lakers win. There's no coffee or espresso ever invented to match it. Lakers get a shorthanded win yesterday, returning home from a road trip against the Miami Heat, against a Heat team that had Jimmy and Bam and Lowry. Jimmy and Bam were both very good in the game, but Lakers pulled it out. Really good team win. Dennis Schroeder was amazing. We'll get into him a little bit more, but also Russ, TB, really good team win. And just they they fought through some injuries. Uh, Kendrick Nunn got a stinger, I think, in his shoulder. Dennis was incredible. He got uh, you know clocked in the face early on with an elbow, then turned his ankle what looked pretty badly in the fourth quarter, and then still went on to dominate down the stretch. And also Troy Brown missed as well. So hopefully we get updates on them soon. But just a great team win, D. I'm I'm so proud of the team and. I'm starting to see kind of the fruits of their labor over the course of the first half of the year of kind of the winning today's, staying with it, sticking with it, even if the results don't quite get there. And I was just so happy to see that a team win like that last night without LeBron. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, man. What, what, what do you take away from the Miami game? Well, I'm glad you added in that last part about without LeBron because all of the injury stuff and LeBron wasn't there at all, right? And, and so mm-hmm. that was when we previewed the game a little bit Yesterday, LeBron was listed as questionable, but it was with ankle soreness or, you know, like he's been dealing with the bad ankle pretty much all season. And so it was a question of whether or not he would tolerate that um, after playing an amazing road trip. Right. And so we definitely gave LeBron his flowers the last few pods. But Mike, a few hours before game time, you're sending us the update telling us, hey, LeBron's going to be out. And in the text thread, we were like, oh, well. Damn it, basically. Like, what's this game going to look like? And credit to Pete. Pete said, I think we could beat this team with a certain amount of effort. It's going to it's probably going to require Miami, though, to not necessarily be at their best. And one of the reasons why this game was what it was and why we're also, I don't know, high on life this morning 
is <laughs> that Miami was themselves. And they did play mostly mm-hmm. to their level in terms of what you'd expect, particularly from Bam and Jimmy. And the guys who didn't perform up to their level was specifically because the Lakers were doing things in order to take that stuff mm-hmm. away. Yeah. And I was super proud of the way that the Lakers, and we talked about this, took lessons from the recent game against the Heat and applied yes. those to this yes. game. They weren't perfect. They still had too many turnovers in the first half. They still got beat on the offensive boards. But some of that stuff is just like that's the way the game goes when you're undersized and you don't have LeBron and you've you have to try to manufacture baskets with like more driving and kicking and and all of this stuff. The ball's going to get sprayed around a little bit more. You're going to kick it out of bounds a little bit more. And the Heat are a good defensive team and they are physical. And so, Mike, I thought that when you take into account, forget the individual performances for a second, because we will get to all those, but just mm-hmm. the mentality of the team going in shorthanded. Talk to me a little bit about that idea of like, we don't got our guys, but we feel like we still got enough to come and play a good team. I know you've seen plenty of that over your career of following the NBA. And so did you see any of that sort of glint in the players' eyes of, I've got an opportunity tonight to go out there and kick the other team's butt when no one expects us to? Like, what was that like? from your perspective yesterday. You know, that's interesting because I didn't necessarily sense that any different from usual Hmm. other than the chip that is collectively on the shoulders of Dennis Schroeder and Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly, which is sort of always there. But, you know, I think that combined with LeBron being out, we did see it early on. And then the other guys that are on the court too, Thomas Bryant is what we last year, I think, affectionately referred to as not having enough of the try hard type variety on the court. And he certainly yes. fits in that category. And when Gabriel certainly fits in that category. So it kind of, in that sense, it sort of worked. Um, I, it was interesting before the game, a lot of the national media folk are around because it was an ESPN game. And so I'm, I'm catching up with certain people here and there. And uh, my buddy, George Sedano is doing the sideline for ESPN and, and Mike Breen was there. And, and so people are kind of asking, Hey, what's going on with the team and some people on the heat as well. And the vibe was more like, this is going to be a tough one for the Lakers. Not sort of, ah, we'll see. They've been pretty plucky. Like these guys are going to compete. It, it, it really did feel like they were just going to be a little bit too short because a at that, in that building at crypto.com arena. Now teams are not going to like, once they come in, they're not going to just take that night off. That's just not what typically happens, even if guys like LeBron are out. And then also the energy of the Laker fans in the building who hadn't gotten to come to a game in a while because the team has been gone, save for one game in Charlotte for the last against Charlotte for the last couple of weeks, were excited to be there, even though LeBron wasn't playing. It's you know, it's it's the Lakers are back in town. And so the, the energy in the building was good. But that typically means in this kind of setting that the that the opponent, in this case, Miami, especially because of the way that they play, are probably going to be fine. So. Once the game started, I did kind of get that sense that it was going to be a closer game maybe than than predicted. But there were all it was always seemed to be building towards Miami making a run up until the point that it wasn't. So let me kind of kick that back to you guys. And was there a point of the game where you started to think, yeah, I think they can actually hold them off here? I would go the opposite. 
I sent y'all a text message and I said, this game is slipping away. Mm. This looks like it's going to turn and it's going to turn in Miami's favor, Pete. And so I'll kick that to you. There was a point where the Lakers got down by, I think, seven. And Bam had just come back into to the game. And that was the stretch where I was just like, whenever it was only one of Jimmy or Bam, I thought the Lakers were hanging tight. Whenever it yeah. was both of them in the yep. game at the same time, <laughs> yep. I thought, well, Miami's just better and they're going to pull away eventually. And so I saw it start to turn and I was just like, it's going the other way. And so where were you at when that started to happen? It, it certainly felt like there was an, an inevitability because we don't really have much for Jimmy at all. And we don't have anything for Bam in terms of defensively that we can do. And so there's just a certain amount of that's going to add up. And so like the start of the third quarter, they just went right into the post with Jimmy versus Pat Bev. And like, Whatever the, the genius that Pat Bev has on defense, Jimmy Butler has on offense. And so that evens each other out. And there's a reason why flyweights don't fight welterweights or middleweights don't fight heavyweights. Like that size difference just made it like there was nothing Pat Bev could do. Like you, he could put in all the effort and good technique and all of that. It's just you're going to lose that. And so there was a certain degree of like, well, yeah, they can go to that every time. You can have all sorts of good things going on in the rest of your defense. But if you have that, it just breaks the whole thing. And so in watching that game, it did feel like there was a certain Jimmy plus Bam down the stretch. And plus their history there, you know, uh, they said on the broadcast last night, Miami had, I think the, I think they said the best net rating in clutch time in the NBA. And that makes sense, right? With a guy like Jimmy and just kind of vets, they're one of the prime responsible adult teams in the NBA in terms of how they play. And when you've got that combined with a legit star and Jimmy and and Bam as well, even though he's more of a two-way guy. Yeah, it just seemed to add up to more talent than what the Lakers had. But that's where I want to talk about Dennis, is that ability to absorb the usage and and like score down the stretch. Him and he had 14 points in the fourth. TB had 11. These are two vet men guys giving us 25 in the fourth quarter. And that ability again to score down, uh, you know, down the stretch, and that is how we were able to keep up with them. D is we were able to actually score pretty much every time. Russ had some big buckets around the rim that him plus TB, I think, provide a certain amount of ability to win a rock fight, even if it's not the prettiest. Like sometimes Russ will be tripping and stumbling and bumbling to the basket, and then hit a guy with a pump fake. And then two guys go jumping in the air and they land on him and it's an and one. That happened a couple times last night. And so it's not the prettiest basketball, but between him and TB kind of thrashing around along with Dennis's on ball ability and ability to commandeer an offense, even down the stretch and still provide the ability to score. Just all of that was like when you are missing your star players over the course of the season, a, a team that has good health at that point of the season, no matter how good they are, there is a certain degree of like, hey, tonight's my night. I can step up and, you know, score 25, 30 points and we're still going to play good defense. But most of all, Mike, we have the belief that we can win the game in the first place. And so that's been one of the things that's really stood out to me lately is we were talking about the team looking demoralized not too long ago. And no, they went out in this game. We're like, screw you. We're going to win this game. And they did. Well, so Schroeder in the fourth quarter to me was the difference maker and kind of the guy that took the Lakers over the top. And he was the he was the E Honda thousand hand slap like Miami couldn't really handle him. <laughs> and this this happened even <laughs> after he rolled his ankle. And by the way, he had he seemed like he got near concussed in the first half. He took a, such a hard elbow. to the Yes. Face. 
and was able to kind of battle through that. And this is Dennis Schroeder, though. He is the whole that's tough thing. Uh, That's true. He is. He is a warrior in that context. This is a guy that really always is going to give you what he has. And so 541 to go in the fourth quarter. That's when he gets that foul and he hits the two free throws after he rolls the ankle. So goes over to the bench and Darvin Ham and the trainer are trying to tell him if you limp at all, you're sitting. And he said, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. So he goes back in. Russ steals the ball from Bam. And that's when Dennis hits that corner three. And to me, I'm I'm in the opposite corner and I was watching live. So I didn't see what it looked like on the monitor, but it almost looked like he gave it some an extra like tried to make sure he got his elevation on his jumper from the corner and got that thing up in the air and it went home. And that, that was kind of that moment for me where, okay, it was 92 to 90 at that point, five minutes left. And it just, when that shot goes in after the guy hit hurts his ankle, there's a certain mental blow that the other team has, I think, uh, as opposed to, okay, this is going to go in that direction. And then from that point on, he just starts blowing by defenders as the Lakers can't get anything else going in the half court against a pretty staunch Miami defense that's playing off and, and is sinking into the paint as they always do. But in mm-hmm. part, especially because Russ is on the floor and he ends up hitting nine free throws in the fourth quarter on um, goes nine for nine, including the, the two that seal it. And that's plus the layup that he makes. So that to me was the difference ultimately. And they needed some player to step up into that kind of elite scoring percentage type thing. And it was the free throw line that got Dennis there because, you know, he didn't shoot the ball amazingly. It was eight for 15, which you'll definitely take. But to go 12 for 14 from the free throw line on a night that Jimmy Butler only Mm -hmm. gets there four times and Bam only gets there five times against what Pete had just referred to as not necessarily the the best matchups defensively to go against those guys, to me, was what won the Lakers the game late. See, so this is where one layer deeper is the schematic stuff that the heat do and how this specific version of the Lakers was built to take that down. Right. And so even Mm. without LeBron, so LeBron is the type where when he has the ball, he will say, okay, you're a switching defense. Come get a guard for me and I'm going to attack that guard. And then But because of the lineup construction that is often around LeBron, it is like, okay, well, the guys who are on the court with you down the stretch, it could be Russell Westbrook. But lately, it's been for sure Thomas Bryant. It's been for sure Dennis Schroeder. And then it's been some combination of like defender types, whether it's Austin or Lonnie or Pat Bev, potentially. But no one is scared to let those guys shoot. Everyone is scared of the ball. And LeBron, at this stage of his career, is not... 2010 LeBron first step God that basically gets by you with one dribble and then is elevating and there's nothing to do for him. Go watch how LeBron dunked all over the Pistons in that first run, like his I've arrived moment. And it's just like, oh no, that's a different dude than the dude that is here now. And so this version of the Lakers though, that was Dennis Schroeder with the ball, Pete. And we had talked about like, oh, well, where can the Lakers give the Heat problems? And one of the things that I mentioned was, well, the Lakers have speed, right? Like Russ is fast. Yep. Dennis is fast. And if they pressure with their quickness and with their speed, they can hurt some of Miami's switching style Mm -hmm. that they play. And Dennis, that's where Dennis is at his best, is he gets a switch and he he sort of lulls you to sleep 
with that high dribble and he's just sort of out there like, oh, and then he's got that slow wind up for his jumper. And so yes. he makes it seem like he's going to wind up and he's almost bringing the ball up, but nope, dribbling in again. And then he gets you to raise up in your stance a little bit. And then he gets down in his like a sprinter and he is by you. And mm -hmm. he did that all game. And it was, to me, it was that element of the, no, you can't stay in front of me. And as much as Jimmy and Bam are these defensive maestros, and both of them are, they had Tyler Hero on the court as well. And Dennis was singling him out. And he was just like, who is Hero guarding? Come screen for me. And then that to me, Pete. Yep. That and then TB on the other side of that being I was like, gonna bring that up. Yep. Yeah, no. So please talk to me about TB about the switching too, because he benefited from that as well. Before before TB, just real quick, Russ was doing that to Struce as well. What you were talking about with yeah. Dennis and using his speed. And Dennis plays at such an interesting pace. I don't think there's another player in the league that plays with the exact same pace that he does. Uh just very, very interesting player. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, but yeah, Russ had a couple of sweet crossovers on guys. And that's where we're, what we were talking about yesterday about that athleticism difference is like Russ is a way better athlete than Max Struess. Uh, and, and Dennis has that speed advantage and things like that. But TB down on the inside, Darwin made a comment about how we should go into the post more when teams switch against us when TB is in there because he – He's so patient down there, Mike. And one of the things I would always tell my bigs is a, when a big would rush, like, because and, and I have empathy for it. There are a lot of bodies down there, a lot of arms. They get fouled like 10 times as often, 10 times more than it actually gets called. So there can be bigs that can kind of rush around the basket or when they're swarmed by smaller players. And what I would always tell them is like, yo, you're going to be bigger than him in like two seconds, too. You don't have to rush. You could just be patient, strong with the ball. And TB's really good with his ball fakes. And so that's one thing he was doing to Struess down low is he'd get the ball down there and he wouldn't rush it. You keep the ball high. Darius was uh, was waxing poetic about that in the text thread last night and keep the ball high. And he got such good touch with either his left hand or his right hand. And so both him and Dennis, Mike, to me, are guys that are both the try hard mentality, but also have some skill and ability and, and talent to pair with that, that are really just building out, I think, a, a new middle class for this team in terms of talent. Let's take a break. When we come back, I'd love to hear your thoughts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You know, another thing that Darvin mentioned, and this was just before or after the game, you kind of hit on it both times, but when the stars are out and specifically LeBron and AD, the opportunity that's there for other players, and in this case, like Thomas Bryant, is such that they're going to be able to have a different level of confidence and a different level of feel once those guys come back. And it gets you thinking about the roster and Bryant for he's really gotten a lot better from where he was at training camp versus where he is now. And the biggest reason for that is that he's had a lot of game reps that he did not have in the previous couple of years as he returned from his ACL injury. And he's, he's got the talent, but he pairs that with this with he really genuinely does play hard and he does practice hard. And so he's the kind of guy that's going to get better. And he also has some limitations, which we've discussed. And we saw some of those on the defensive side of the court. And that's, again, where, man, how Anthony Davis was playing and where he had gotten to. And now you've got Thomas Bryant up to this point, who would be, I think, in some ways, an ideal backup type center to run up and down with Russ to come in to give you some real good minutes. But you didn't you don't necessarily have to use him in matchups like against Bam Adebayo Mm -hmm. uh, or Nikola Jokic and so on. And that's that part where you're right back to even, you know, the Lakers have this win and there's still this uncertainty about A.D., and we don't have to spend more time on that now. It's just that it's it's kind of back to the the slotting nature that you would like with Bryant, but that's not available right now. So where where can he grow on the defensive end? What can they do to better cover for him in certain instances? And clearly they did some of that because Miami wasn't, you know, they weren't that efficient um, offensively. And as it certainly is not as much as they could have been. So that's why I'm kind of curious where you guys think the Lakers can what kind of level they can get to defensively because this is the reality right now. Bryant is the starting center uh, and they're going to have to continue to figure out how to win games, which they which they've done some uh, here in the last couple of weeks. Well, I think a, an important part of that, Mike, is you support you support the other players on the court defensively by doing your job at the most supreme level that you mm-hmm. can individually as as a supporting player to to that big. And so this is where I want to get back to Dennis Schroeder a little bit. And so Jimmy was having his way with whoever, right? But one of the things about Jimmy, and this is true of Bam as well, is that their aggression level, there is like regular season aggression level for these players. And then there is playoff level aggression. And Jimmy is not going to break out playoff level aggression, Jimmy Butler, until the playoffs. It's mm-hmm. just like, talk about patience, Pete. That dude, he has patience for that. 
right? It's just like, mm-hmm. he ain't opening gifts until Christmas morning. <laughs> well, the reason be that, that man played for Tom Thibodeau for years and played some yes. hard defense <laughs> and big minutes, man. He, it's a calculation, right? I only got so much of that in me. And so that's one of the reasons, like, he's really a playoff superstar. You know, he's one of the guys that I think flies under the radar because he isn't at the top of the points per game leaderboard at any point. But give me, like, that dude in the playoffs, man. Like, he's one of the best players in the league. 100%. And so he he did take a couple of threes where guys sagged off and he did get aggressive and he went to the offensive glass and he did a bunch of Jimmy Butler things and he was great. He was fantastic. And Bam had 30 points mostly just by going to the offensive glass and then also getting middle every single yeah, time. That, like that little mid-range the, floater. Yeah, yeah, that's his shot And he too. goes middle from both sides of the court. And so he's a tricky mm, player mm-hmm. to defend and he gets into his jumper either way. So Bam had 30 and Jimmy had 20 something. It's just like, oh, look at these dudes. They're unstoppable. But the third piece of that and one of the engines to their offense for real is Tyler Hero. Because Hero... Mm is their main pick and roll ball handler. And he is also their elite handoff action player who then takes handoffs from Bam and takes handoffs from Jimmy and plays in two-man game. And Dennis shut all of that down. He closed that door. And that's one of the ways, Mike, that you help support a player like Thomas Bryant is they want to attack you in the pick and roll. Well, guess what makes it hard is when the guard won't get screened. Like if the guard won't get screened, then that's a then two on two matchup, Pete. And there is no like, oh, this guy's getting downhill on me to attack me. And it was only the plays where Dennis did get screened or they gave up a switch that then Mm -hmm. Thomas got engaged by the ball handler. And it's just like, oh, well, oh, these limitations are back. But all of those plays with Dennis on Hero, I thought that was like low key, the difference in the game. Hero has nine points on 14 shot attempts. He goes four for 14, doesn't really get to the free throw line at all. And all of that was basically with Dennis defending him. And and so Mm -hmm. in terms of that question that Mike brought up about supporting TB, I think it has to come from the guards and you're just going to have to survive as much as you can and hope that you've got enough with him there. So we've got three guards that are annoying. Like they can get up underneath you. They're going to give up something in terms of height and or strength. But between you, the way you were describing Dennis Schroeder also describes how Pat Bev defends that ability to get over the top of screens and just kind of get into your jersey. And yeah, you may be able to shoot over the top of him, but it's all the stuff that happens on the ground, which is more than you'd think in the NBA. But And so like your gather, your the way you get into your shot, the way that you normally get clean off of a, a screen, there's ways to win the ground game for a small player that, yeah, once the ball gets up in the air and Tyler Hero elevates, there's not much Dennis Schroeder's going to do about that or a Pat Bev, but those ground wars, Mike, we've got guards that can win those with uh, Dennis and Bev at the top of that, but also Austin, right? And he does it in a slightly different way, but he's also very annoying. That's why he's always drawing these offensive fouls and, and, you know, shoulder to the chops type of thing. It's like these guards that kind of get up into you and then just everybody else kind of doing their job in terms of rotations and tagging. And that's been one of the things that I, and I I was so bummed to see uh, Troy Brown. I hope we get some good news on him, but his like attention to detail defensively lately and just effort and that like extra drop to the level of the ball, basically that extra rotation that you have to be really locked in to get to that level of the sequence. He's been doing so well. And I think that's kind of 
Uh, that's what the rest of the team has been doing. And so that was one of the, TB had a rough stretch for the first three quarters of that game uh, defensively. And then by the fourth quarter, I thought that our ability to do that and then also just outscore them, right? Like to some degree with TB on the floor, it's going to be like, yeah, let's, we got to outscore them uh, as opposed to lock them up down the stretch. So all of that, I think, contributes to kind of answering your question. That's all good stuff. I, I think that with Troy, that's the kind of thing where, you know, I'm not, I'm not optimistic about like when a player leaves like that and it's a strain, you know, usually that, that means that it's going to be at least some amount of time. It's, it's different from getting a Charlie horse or something like that, that might be bruised and you can't run on it that night, but you know, it'll, it'll heal up after a couple of days. So um, fingers crossed on that, but Yet another blow there. And then we learned that we, we got a little more information about Lonnie Walker and it had started with the tailbone. And then last night was because of the knee and Darvin Ham said that it was a little bit of tendonitis and on kind of the load mm. leg, the plant leg when, mm. when Lonnie's running. So that, that is something though, that, you know, tendonitis, essentially just anybody that has a sore knee, you can, you can ascribe tendonitis to some extent to it. Uh, and many, many, I don't want to say most, but many NBA players deal with this pretty routinely. So hopefully that's something where he's not just hopefully they're going to need him to come back and sort of take that rotation spot. But then it brings them back to going to some smaller lineups when Troy Brown had <sighs> kind of been one of the guys that had enabled mm -hmm. this new, at least slightly bigger lineups in addition to Juan Toscano Anderson. And that is where you start to get back into what the last several Lakers seasons have been like, where it's just whack-a-mole and somebody comes in and then somebody else goes out and it's just so difficult for them to maintain this sense of continuity. But we'll see. We'll hopefully get some information on Troy Brown Jr. later today. But for now, you know, I, I didn't love the way that he went out of the game. And, and so it's a concern mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, I'm sort of with Mike on this in that if you have to leave a game with like a any sort of muscle strain, calf, quad, groin, anything, and you are not able to return. Like, it's one thing if you're able to return and the coaches are just like, oh, well, we'll give him the rest of this game off just because, like, we're doing okay without him. But if you're actually unable to return, I feel like you're going to be out. Like, to me, it's, it's not likely that you're ready a day and a half later, right? And, and so I am hopeful, but I'm not optimistic about Troy. I am thankful that JTA is sort of reemerged as someone who can play some, right? Um, he found himself out of the rotation even before he got hurt and then he got hurt and it's sort of just like, okay, well, now that he's back, he's back to doing some JTA things. I think he is an interesting connecting player and it'd be super helpful if he hit his three ball. Right. A couple of games ago, he was. And so if if he can be Pete, like a low to mid 30s, three point shooter, then every couple of games hit two or, you know, or like he takes two, he makes one or he takes three. He hits one. It's just like, OK, mm -hmm. well, at least you're a threat and you're a cutter and, and you're going to go out there and defend. I think none's going to have to play like Max is going to mm -hmm. have to play Max's trial by fire. For Max, in some of these minutes, man, like he's out there. It's just mm -hmm. like, hey, go guard Jimmy Butler. Right. It's just like these aren't <laughs> the most ideal situations for a 19 year old who 
Hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm all the about league. to throw them into the throw them into the deep end, man. Like I, I think that's great experience. That even if it uh, doesn't look good now, it'll bear some fruit down the line. One hundred percent. But this is where, like, I don't want to talk too much about AD because I think we should save that for when we have a real update. But this is where, like, I hate to harp on things that we've harped on a ton of times before, but. This game specifically reinforced the idea to me that's just like this team is worth investing in. It is worth thinking about how you want to build things out. They're a team that is going to fight. They're a team that's going going to scrap. And that's the personality of a lot of the players that are that Mm -hmm. are here now. And that was not necessarily as true last season. That's an understatement. (laughs) Well, it's. You, you know, I'm being kind, but it's just like, that's what it was last year. And so Wenyon, TB, Dennis, Pat Bev, these guys JTA. are mm-hmm. JTA, like they're scrappers, right? And LeBron, like give LeBron a group of tryhards and it's just like, he's got something, right? Because LeBron is... Like one of the most gifted players ever and one of the smartest players ever. And what he needs around him at this stage of his career, especially as much as shooting or anything else is motor. It's guys who are going to get after it and are going to keep pushing and keep pushing and see the wall and not see it at all Mm -hmm. at the same time. Right. And just run right through it. And this this group is is that Mike. And so. The win against Miami aside, you've got LeBron playing at the level that he's playing at. And then you've got these guys who can step up and are going to continue to fight regardless. And I think they need to try to give this team a chance. And then AD Mm -hmm. is lurking out there somewhere and maybe he comes back and he plays, maybe he does, like whatever. But that all combines to me of like investing these guys now while you have these guys and this particular mix, because I'm starting to see it come together in in ways that intrigue me and excite me for a team that is four games under 500. And at the same time, as we haven't done any Western Conference standings watchings, I'll just do a 30 second update on this. You've got some teams in basic free fall, uh, right, where Utah has lost five in a row. They have uh, they've won three out of their last 10. They now have the same number of losses as the Lakers. The Timberwolves have the same number of losses as the Lakers, even though they've won two in a row. And all of this goes back to the Lakers just instead of Anthony Davis going down and what it what it looks like the first couple games in terms of a drop of energy. They have now first with first because of LeBron and LeBron picking things up and then now kind of the collective group without him. They have restored some hope for themselves. Forget what everyone else thinks. Forget the standings. Forget all that. But from our point of view now, you, you've got these these teams that are falling some. Phoenix is another team that's a big-time faller. Booker's going to be out for another while uh, longer. They are one game over 500. Uh, they've lost four in a row. So there are now some teams that are doing the dropping, and we had hinted at. We're not quite sure who it is. One of these teams will have an injury. Utah, we yep. thought it would probably be for, for different reasons. And Minnesota, because of some chemistry issues and their own injury. So they're... They're, they're at least now, even with AD out, there is this kind of path that they can all point to of saying, hey, look, who knows? Let's let's keep gearing towards one of these spots uh, and it's within reach. Let's go. And, and I think that's been what the mindset for a lot of these guys is. And that's good. That's what it has to be. 
and then uh, how they how they sort of figure things out on a day to day. We'll try to cover here on the podcast feed, but it's at least it's a different picture than we had even as as soon as seven days ago. Yes, and they're now after their two and ten start again. TB and Dennis came back right after this. So I think it sort of speaks to their degree of value. We probably get a couple of those first 12 games if TB and or Dennis play in those. And since then, I think we're 15 and 11, which is 58% winning percentage. The five seed is three and a half games away, I believe. And so it's all been bunched up. There's no team. I I have I didn't look at the standings, but I texted you guys the other uh, day. Nobody is playing over 700 basketball this season so far. And if you go back, the last time that that happened over the course of an entire season was the 1978-79 season. And this NBA season overall, I wasn't alive, but in terms of my understanding of NBA history, the late 70s, like after 76 through 79, before Magic and Bird uh, came in in 80, those were these very, it was a very wide open league. And that's just my impression of the league right now is that it's wide open enough to where like even if you're from the perspective of like being prudent about the Lakers long-term prospects and that's a whole nother conversation with layers that we, we don't have time to get into now even in that respect it's like you could say that about a lot of teams and it, it's so it's so open that if you've got LeBron and Anthony Davis let's hope you know there's there's opportunity there even though it looked very grim earlier yeah Think about what your feelings were about this team after they gave up 50-something points against the Mavs on Christmas Day in a quarter. And the amount of resolve and resiliency that this team is showing is fantastic. And I will say with even more in my chest, that was not the case last year. Last year's team was always looking for the next thing that was supposed to come to boost them up. And this team is looking at themselves and saying, we can do it. Yep. And I look at a team like that, Mike, and I think, think to myself, I can root for these guys and feel good about rooting for these guys because they are rewarding us with their effort and energy and play each night. And that doesn't mean they're winning. Every game, they've won three in a row, though, their best win streak of the season or tied for it. And they've got Atlanta tomorrow and then they go on the road for a couple of games and then they're right back at home to play a ton of games at Staples where they're or sorry, crypto, where they are now nine and eight at home. And they have an opportunity here to build a rhythm, even with their injury situation and everything else sort of clouding things for everyone else. The picture is not clear, but these guys, they are looking inward instead of outward. And they're saying, what can Mm -hmm. we do? And that's also too, where I want to credit coach ham. Cause every time he gets asked about some external factor, he is talking about we're we're only talking about us here. We're trying to do the thing in order for us to be the best version of ourselves that we can be. And this team is taking on that mindset and they are rewarding us with with their play, win or lose. I feel like, oh, man, they're at they're getting after it this game. And so it's to me again, like I hope that there is something on the horizon for this team where we feel like, oh, everyone is rowing in the same direction and everyone feels like it's time to go for it because this the players are out there showing us that they want that 
All right. That was a fun one. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. Got a couple of games we'll preview this weekend, maybe get into some other topics around the team. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Miss it. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. With a little tap to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.